Hi everybody and uh, welcome to our first uh, online uh, Sunday service here at Arise. Um, as you can see again we're set up in the kitchen area uh, at, uh, at the building. Again it's empty, wish you were here. won't be long before you will be and we'll all be back together but uh, from now until then we're doing our best to try to provide you with uh, as close as possible to what you'd be getting if you came here uh, to Arise on a Sunday. So I hope you enjoyed the worship. Um, I know the, the, the guys uh, enjoyed the worship time. They weren't uh, performing. They're not trying to perform. They're in here just worshipping God themselves and uh, uh, just giving you a chance to, to worship us home uh, as well. Um, also, at the end of uh, our message today, again, this is live, so uh, we're not sort of editing and cutting. So if it comes across a bit clunky, forgive us. We're just learning what we're doing. We've been thrown a bit in the deep end like all of us. There's opportunities here for uh, us as a church to do a few things outside the box we'd normally do, just as there will be for you as individuals an opportunity to, to uh, do things a little bit differently in your life too. And I think that's part of the excitement of what we're going through, is uh, what are we going to learn about ourselves? What are we going to learn about God? What are we going to learn, uh, learn about the way we do things and uh, the why behind why we do things and stuff as well? So there's a lot of opportunities here for us as a church, but at the same time, it is a difficult period and a difficult time for um, a lot of people. We've received some news in our family this week that, uh, not the kind of news you want to hear, but hey, there are a lot of people out there that are, are getting news that I'm sure they wouldn't personally want, uh, opportunities and things that are happening in their world that they wouldn't sign up for, but it's just the period of history we're in, uh, as I mentioned on Wednesday on Facebook, that we're meant to be here. We're meant to be here now for this particular time in history. God's got faith. He knows we'll make it through and he's got plans and purposes. I was just reading the other day in James and I want, uh, if you've got a Bible there, just turn (coughs) with me to James chapter 1. And James chapter 1 verse 2 to 4. James says this, he says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. I'm sure a lot of us right now are falling into various trials and... uh, just so you know, the people that James was speaking to at that particular time had fallen into various trials themselves. He's writing to those that were scattered. Uh, you can read in Acts chapter 7, chapter 8, where Stephen is martyred, and it says that the disciples in Jerusalem, that they scattered, they, they left, the believers ran for their lives. So these guys have run, fleeing for their lives. They've left behind businesses. They've left behind homes. They've lost a lot, and uh, the future is looking very bleak for them. Uh, it's not just a potential possibility of, of a virus or an economic downfall, but these guys are running for their literal lives. Saul is coming after them. There's been a decree they're going to be taken down. So he's writing this to people that are going through uh, various trials uh, at the time that he's writing it to them. And, and I, I dare say probably worse trials than maybe what we're facing right now. We will come out this, uh, but right now I don't uh, live in fear that somebody's going to knock on my door and say, because you believe in Jesus, I'm going to end your life. But that's what these guys were facing. So he writes to them and he says, my brothers, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Now, I want to be upfront about something here. <laughs> How many people like me believe that the phrase counted all joy and when you fall into various trials, they should not be put together in the same sentence. There's nothing uh, joyful about falling into various trials from my perspective anyway. When I think about the moments of my life that have been the most joyful, I think about things like my wedding day when my wife walked down the aisle and we exchanged vows and I said, I do. And she said, she does. And here we are 25 years later. And I still remember that day. And I remember what she looked like, how her hair was done. I remember standing at the top of uh, uh, Mount Gravatt there and getting some photos taken. I remember uh, a lot about that day with great fondness. 
Uh, I remember when my children were born, all four of my children were born, and that was great joy uh, when my children were born and brought into the world, and I got to hold my three sons as they came into the world. Uh, my first one, Caleb, uh, born uh, when we were living up in, in Bundaberg there, and then uh, Jonathan when he was born in India, and that was a miracle uh, how he came about. And uh, then Jordan, when we were uh, back here in Australia, Jordan was born in Brisbane. And then finally, I got my little girl, Chloe. She was born here in, in Lismore uh, Base Hospital. That was, that was pure joy. That was great joy. It was all joy, those moments in my life. I remember 2005 when the West Tigers won the grand final. I thought I'd slip that one in there. Uh, that was great joy. I was very joyful in that particular time as well. It was something I thought I would never see in my lifetime and all you Tiger supporters out there would understand uh, where I'm coming from, but we did. We won a grand final in 05 and it was great joy. And just as a side issue, the NRL's been cancelled at the moment and can anyone guess where the Tigers are sitting on the ladder after round two? Of course, we're coming ninth. There you go. But I remember those moments with fond joy, great joy. Now these are the types of moments where that feeling of joy, it's almost handed to you on a plate. Now what James is saying here to these people is he's telling them to consider all trials pure joy. Consider all these trials from a joyful perspective. Consider them and look at them uh, with a joyful perspective. And uh, at the moment, these guys are not getting joy handed to them on a plate. This is a different type of joy. He's talking about something a little bit different than the joy that comes because we go through a, a, a situation in life that makes us feel good. He's talking about something totally different here. He's talking about having a joy when instead of life's putting joy on that plate, it appears that life is conspiring against you and it's actually stealing joy from your plate. This is what he's saying to them. Consider pure joy when life comes, various trials. Somehow you've got to find joy in the midst of situations where it looks like life is not giving to you moments to bring you to a place of elation and joyfulness, but, but life is giving you things that are stealing joy from you. Yet he says in those moments, in those very moments, once you consider it all joy. Uh, Paul seems to agree with James in, uh, in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4. And Paul says this, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Always, that's an all-encompassing word, always. And again I say rejoice. He doesn't just say it once, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And I'm going to say it again just to ram home how serious I am about this. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I'm going to say to you, rejoice. You know, always doesn't just mean those moments where life hands you joy on a plate, like my wedding day and the birth of my children, always encompasses the various trials that these particular believers were going through, running for their lives, afraid for their life, uh, economically crumbling, relationally stuff's happening, uh, and, and their life could be snuffed out if the wrong person comes across them at the wrong time. Uh, that could literally be the end of them. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, Rejoice. Now, just to let you know, rejoicing, that word rejoice is not about hanging off the rafters. He's not saying that you should hang off the rafters all the time and be yahooing and carrying on. Uh, that word rejoice actually means to be calmly happy. So what he's saying here is be calmly happy all the time in God. Because of God, we can be calmly happy in God. James is writing, he's saying, find a place of calm happiness in the midst of the trials that you're facing and the situations that you are going through. So what does that mean? Does that mean we, that we fake it until we make it? Does it mean we just pretend to be happy even though we're not? Well, I think people that do that, the truth comes to the surface, we burn out. And so I don't think that's what he's saying at all. Should we just suppress those feelings in order to try and look obedient to God and obedient to what the Bible says? Well, I don't think that works either because you can suppress those feelings and act and look a certain way, put on a bit of a show, but the truth is God knows our heart anyway. And God's interested in the reality of our life and where we're at, not just what we look like to others, but he's interested in who we really are and how we're really going. 
So how do we find, experience the joy in the midst of the trials? How do we find peace? How do we experience joy? How do we find that calmly happy in the midst of the trials that we're going through in life? Well, is it simply about choosing? I know a lot of people would say that you just choose to be joyful. I got a friend of mine when I first became a Christian and I moved into this Christian community and it was a beautiful time in my life, 19 years of age. I've just met Jesus. Life's changed for me. I found purpose and meaning uh, in, in God. And this friend of mine had this phrase. He used to say, rejoice, rejoice, Alan. You've got no choice. Rejoice, rejoice. You've got no choice. And at the time, it was great advice for me. I kind of would, would soldier on through the difficulties of life and the questions and so on. But the older I've got, I've come to realize that, that he was a little bit off center here. It's not rejoice, rejoice. You've got no choice. What I've learned is rejoice, rejoice because I have a choice. I do have a choice. I don't have to go down with the situations and circumstances of life. There is a way to be able to rejoice in the midst of difficulties and to rejoice in the midst of trials. So how do we find that? Well, here's what I've learned. Here's what I think. I think we don't chase the feeling of joy. You don't go chasing the feeling of joy. What we need to do is we need to change the perspectives that are blocking it from coming into our world. Don't chase after the feeling of joy. What we need to do is realize that joy is a byproduct of perspective. A couple of weeks ago, I talked uh, here at church about faith and fear. And faith and fear, they both feed off the same thing. They feed off focus. Whatever you're focusing on will build your faith and feed your faith. Or if you're focusing on the wrong stuff, it'll build and feed the fear in your life. And I think we can find a place of joy in the midst of trials, not by trying to find joy. Don't focus on joy. But change the perspectives and the things that are blocking us from receiving and walking in the joy that God has for us. Joy is a perspective, it's not a feeling. You don't always find joy in the moment. It's not always handed to you in a plate, but you find joy in the outcomes. Let me give you an example. Nobody that's dieting finds great joy in not eating their favorite foods. Uh, I love KFC Zinger Burgers, and those of you that know me would know that I've been, been putting on a little bit here, and I've been working really hard at cutting back on that. And when I drive past KFC and I smell a Zinger Burger, uh, by the way, Colonel Harlan Sanders apparently was a Christian, so I try to justify to myself I'm eating Christian chickens, but uh, that's a side issue. But when I drive past and I smell that Zinger burger, and I want to go in there and I want to eat that thing, but I don't, there's no joy in driving past and going, well, I didn't have a Zinger burger and I'm driving with the smell. There's no joy in that moment. But when I think about the outcome of not eating that, when I think about the fact that I could lose a little bit of weight here and I could end up getting back, I got home and I put on that shirt that two weeks ago didn't fit me and all of a sudden I could finally get at least one of the buttons half together. It's in that moment, the outcome of not eating it, when I focus on the outcome, I find joy and that joy can carry me through the process of not eating that Zinger uh, burger. What about somebody that's trying to get fit? You know, nobody finds joy in burning their energy, getting sweaty and tired, running on treadmills, running up and down mountains, waking up the next day with sore muscles and sore legs, being unable even to reach up and pour yourself a cup of coffee. There's no joy in that moment. There's no joy in doing that. But we find the joy by focusing on the outcome of a healthier life and the possibility of doing things that you couldn't do before. So the joy is not always found in the moment, but it's found in the outcome. When we look at the outcome of what's happening right now, we can find joy in the journey because we know the journey is taking us to an outcome and it's the focus on the outcome that allows us to enjoy the journey and find the joy in the process. If we're focusing in on the moment all the time, then our joy will come and go, come and go, come and go. But joy is not about the moment. It's about focusing on the outcomes. Uh, uh, people that are struggling with substance abuse, 
people that are, uh, are being detoxed and, and getting stuff out of their systems. You know, there's no joy at all if they're focusing on how they're feeling in the moment. Their body's craving for that substance, for that drug, for that alcohol, for whatever it is. Their body's screaming at them, get it, get it, get it. And they're sweating and they're locked away in a place to try to get this stuff out of this. You know, there's no joy in that moment. But as they think about the outcome, when they think about what they can get back, the, perhaps the reconnection with family, perhaps going out there and, and functioning in society uh, in a normal uh, and, and a way that contributes. Maybe when they think about the prospect of getting a job, getting out of debt and so on. When they think about the outcomes, it's the outcomes that give us the capacity to have joy in the midst of the journey. It's the outcomes that give us the ability to find joy. You don't find joy, you, uh, sorry, you find joy in the outcome of being free and able to function coherently without all that other stuff. This is, this is in line with what James is saying. If we go back to James chapter 1, he says, My brothers, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. And then he goes on and explains, here's why you can count it joy when you fall into trials. He doesn't say count the trials themselves joyfully. Rejoice in the trial as if the trial itself is something wonderful and you should feel great about being persecuted and being run out of town. You should feel great about being locked up in your house because of a virus. You should feel great that you've lost your job. He's not saying any of that. Here's what he's saying. He says, count it joy when you fall into trials, but here's how you you count the joy. Here's how you see the joy. He says, you know this, that the testing of your faith produces patience. Now watch this. Let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So what he's saying is you're going through a trial and it's difficult right now. You can find joy for the journey by realizing that what's happening in this period, this trial you're going through, what it's doing is it's working patience into your world. And that patience is going to do a work in your life. And the end game, the end result, the outcome is this, that you are going to be perfect and complete and you're going to lack nothing. So you can go through this time now. Don't rejoice in what's happening. There's no joy in that. But you can rejoice in the outcome that at the end of the day, whatever this thing is that I'm going through right now, the end game is it's going to make me perfect and complete and I'm going to end up lacking nothing. God wants me to be perfect and complete and lacking nothing and he'll use this process to get me there. So even though the process might not feel good, I don't find my joy in the process, but I find joy in the outcome. And as I focus on the outcome, I can handle the process way better and I can be happy, calmly happy as I go through the the process instead of crumbling and falling apart in the midst of the process. Jesus said the same thing in Matthew chapter 5. Listen to what he says to his disciples in Matthew 5, 11 and 12. He says, Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely from my name. Hey, this is not joy handed on a plate. How many of you walked downtown or had someone persecute you for your faith and feel this rush of amazing joy that it happened? We don't. We don't like that. You know, we, do, we don't like to be criticized and ridiculed and mocked for our faith. We do it and, and we're proud to do it and we love Jesus and we won't back down from that. But it doesn't bring a rush of joy to me every time someone says, you're a religious nut, keep your God to yourself. It doesn't bring a rush of joy to me. And Jesus doesn't say that it should. Here's what he says. He says, you're blessed when that happens. And he says this in verse 12. He says, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Why can we rejoice and be exceedingly glad? Because great is your reward in heaven. In other words, there's an outcome, and if you focus on the outcome, you'll find joy for the journey right now. You don't have to be excited about all the bad stuff that's happening, but if you focus on the outcome, it's the outcome that will allow you to remain calmly happy and find a reason to rejoice through the journey. Because without the journey, we don't get the outcome. Without the journey, we don't get to the desired destination and result. And sometimes we don't like the journey, and sometimes the journeys don't feel good. The trials don't feel good. But God's got destinations and outcomes for us, and this is a part of that. And we maintain a stance of joy by focusing 
on those outcomes. Rejoice in what's happening now, not because of what's happening now, but because you know that God will take what's happening now and he's going to use it to give you a better future. Let me say that again. Rejoice in what's happening now, not because of what's happening now, but because you know that God will take what's happening now and he's going to use it to give you and to give me a better future. Look at the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. It encourages us to look under Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who what? For the joy that was set before him endured the cross. There was a joy set before him, and for that joy he endured the cross. In other words, he endured the journey. He was able to go through the journey because there was a joy, an outcome at the end. And that outcome, by the way, was you and me, people being reconnected to God, the God that loves us, and a God that cares for us, uh, a God that died upon the cross for you and me, he took the penalty and the punishment for what I, me and you have done wrong, what we deserve, and he took that upon himself. For the joy set before him, he endured and he made it. We can experience joy always in everything because joy is not about choosing a feeling, but it's about choosing a focus. It's about choosing a focus, looking at the outcomes, knowing that God will use this and the end result will be better. Always, that's how God operates. You don't choose joy, you choose your focus. And joy is cultivated in the soil of a correct perspective. Joy grows in the soil of a heart that has a correct perspective about the trials that we're going through. Trials won't defeat us. They won't end us. They're not the end of the journey. They're just a part of the journey. But as we look at the outcomes that God has for us, then we find joy, a calmly happy, that takes us through those periods. And how many of you know that we need a calmly happy right now? We live in a world that needs a calmly happy. They need some people displaying some calmly happy out there because there's a lot of people who are going down with what's happening right now. But God's calling his church and going, you know what, you're going through various trials right now. But I want you to find joy in that journey by looking at the outcomes, knowing this, that everything that's, that's happening, everything that's going on right now. Here, here's, a, here's a promise for you. We all know this one. Romans 8.28 says this. It says, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. I want to say that again. And we know, do we know this morning, uh, do you know that? Do you believe that? I mean, we, we talk about this all the time. This verse is thrown about in the church. We all know it. I'm not telling you anything new. But do we know it? Do we believe it? And we know that all things, all things, all things work together for good to those who love God. Not just the good things. All things. All things. God can take all things. In other words, it doesn't matter what I'm going through right now. The outcome is what I'm focusing on. You know what the outcome is? God says that the outcome is that I'll take all things and I'll use it for good. So no matter what you're going through right now, no matter what it feels like in the moment, the outcome is good. God says, I'll use it and I'm going to do good things through you and for you because that's our Heavenly Father. You know, the one thing that's most powerful in the world at the moment, one of the most powerful commodities in earth right now, I believe is a joyful heart. It's a rejoicing heart. It's a calmly happy heart. I just want to share, finish with a little story about something that happened to me the other day. Uh, Proverbs 17.22 is my favourite passage in the book of Proverbs. A lot of great stuff in Proverbs, a lot of great wisdom, but I love this verse, Proverbs 17.22. It says this, A merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. A merry heart does good like medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. So a merry heart's good, but a crushed spirit not so good. A merry heart's going to bring life to you. A crushed spirit's going to kill you. Merry heart's like medicine. Medicine helps. A crushed spirit, it's doing no one 
any good. That word merry, uh, most of the times that it's translated in the Old Testament, in the uh, King James uh, Bible, uh, when they translated that word, most of the time it's actually translated as rejoice. So in other words, we could say this, a rejoicing heart is good like a medicine, but a crushed spirit dries the bones, a rejoicing heart. You know what, I reckon this is a great opportunity for us to look at the outcomes. We know, we've got to believe that God's going to do something great through whatever's happening in our world and whatever's happening in our lives in our churches right now. God's got a good outcome. Something great's going to come of it. I know it is. I don't know what it is. I'm not going to try to pretend to know and tell you what it's going to be. I'm already seeing some stuff in my life where I'm going, God, if it wasn't for what's happening right now, I wouldn't be seeing some of the things I'm seeing or experiencing some of the things I'm experiencing. So I'm getting more and more excited because more and more I'm believing, hey, that, that, that all things work together for the good of those that love God. I love God. And all things are going to work together for my good. But a merry heart, a rejoicing heart, does good like a medicine. Cross spirit drives the bones. I went downtown the other day, and, and, and here's what happened to me. I was looking for a webcam because I knew that we were going to be going online and doing all this sort of stuff. And so I, I went downtown, and I'm, I'm running around Lismore um, trying to find web. Now, who would have known that webcams are the new toilet paper? Remember a few weeks ago, you couldn't get toilet paper anywhere? We well, can't get webcams now. They are the new toilet paper. And every shop I went to, I couldn't find it. But the first store I walked into, I was really impacted by the response of the girl behind the counter. And I don't want to ha- judge the girl. I know she's probably got a lot of stuff going on. This is not a criticism of her, but I'm just trying to show you a point. <laughs> I walked in and I said, have you guys got webcams? And I felt like I'd done something wrong. There was nobody in the shop. She was leaning on the counter, facing away from me. And she turned to me as if I'd interrupted her nothingness. And she just looked at me and gave me a one-word grunted answer, nut. So I thought, okay, I'll, I'll stay a little bit upbeat here. Oh, okay, so do you know anywhere where they might be, where I might be able to find a, a webcam? Nah. About 20 seconds is all it took. I walked out of there and I was, just felt like I was covered in mud and muck. You know, I wanted to go home and have a shower and wash it off. You know, we're all carrying something. We're all carriers of something. We're carriers of a crushed spirit, or we're going to be carriers of a rejoicing heart. And I realised in that moment that, that what this woman had was trying to get on me. What, what she had was coming on me. And I, and I made a decision. I stood there and I went, you know what? I do not want to be a person that's passing that on to other people. I don't want to be a carrier of a crushed spirit in the midst of what's going on. I want to carry a rejoicing heart. And so I made a decision. I said, you know what I'm going to do? Every shop I go to, I'm going to make sure that when I walk in there, that whatever stance those people are in, when I walk out, I want them to be happier and lighter and feeling better about life and their future. So I did. I set myself a goal. And I went to every shop in Lismore and couldn't find a webcam. Nobody had a webcam. And so anyway, I came home at the end of the day, but I was feeling pretty good because I'd walk into some shops and they'd be slouching over the counter. By the time I left, they were standing straight and, and they, were, they were laughing and smiling. And I thought, man, that's great. If, if I don't get a webcam today, who cares? I'm going to go out there with this disease of a rejoicing heart and I'm going to infect people with that. So anyway, day's over. I'm about to come home. My wife rings me up and she says, can you go to the shop and get some flour for us? I said, no worries. I, I went home and I actually picked up my daughter. I said, come on, let's go. We went <coughs> for a drive um, uh, down to, to a shopping centre here in, in Lismore and we parked the car and we've got Woolworths here, Coles there and Aldi's there, right bang in the middle of these three stores. I parked the car, went to Woolworths. Guess what? No flour. Couldn't find flour. Said to my daughter, that's okay. We'll walk up to Coles. And so we walked up to Coles, went into Coles and lo and behold, no flour. Who would have thought that flour would become the new webcam? So there's no flour anywhere. So I thought, right, yeah, there's probably not going to be at Aldi's, but let's walk down to Aldi's and see if we can find some flour. So we walk down to Aldi's, we get to Aldi's. And I walk in there and lo and behold, guess what? No flour. So, so right there, that's like the Bermuda Triangle now. 
you, 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 the Bermuda Triangle, flowers go missing, uh, rice has gone missing, toilet paper has gone missing, everything in the Lismore Bermuda Triangle up there at uh, Ganella Bar Shopping Centre. Don't go there. Do go there, support the businesses. But anyway, I walked in there and there was no flowers, so we ended up saying to, uh, to my daughter, look, you know, let's give mum a ring. We're here. Do we need anything? Rang up my wife. Do you need anything? She said, yeah. So I grabbed a couple of things. We went and we got in line and we're walking through and uh, we got to the checkout. And, and, and these poor checkout people, they're copying their frustration and the brunt of, of everybody's uh, uh, anger at the moment because they don't have this, don't have that. Hey, the poor people at the checkouts, just calm your farm people. They didn't do the ordering. They didn't, they didn't order the stuff. They're just there doing their job. Go easy on them. So I got there and I felt for this lady at the front of the counter. I could tell she looked heavy. She'd had a long day. And so I got up there and I, she scanned my items and I said to her, you know, we came in here to find flour. Guess what? You can't find flour anywhere. Went to Woolworths, no flour. Coles, no flour. Came in, no flour. And so she sort of perked up a little bit. She goes, oh, really? I can't imagine. Why, why, would, why would people be buying flour? And so I used my moment, much to my daughter's embarrassment. And I said to her, well, I can tell you why they're not using flour. She leaned into me. I said, because people are now wiping their backsides with flour. She looked at me, this big smile broke out in her face and she started to laugh. And my daughter covered her face and went, Dad, I cannot believe you did that. But you know what? I, I thought, great, got another one. See, I'm out there carrying this thing called a rejoicing heart and I want to infect as many people as I can with my rejoicing heart. So how do we have a rejoicing heart? Well, we focus on the outcomes. We've got to believe that whatever's going on right now, these trials, these testings, God has a plan and a purpose and it's a good plan and it's a good purpose and it's going to bring life to us peace to us. It's going to bring about God's purposes in our lives, in our families, in our churches, in our communities and in our world. So let's get that rejoicing heart. Let's focus on the outcomes and let's get some calmly happy about us people. Let's go out there and start infecting other people with that. Bless you guys.